You're listening to the Breakaway Breakdown podcast, where we bring you interviews with some of the top ropers in the country, news about what's going on in the fastest sport on dirt, training tips for you and your horses, and so much more. I'm your host, Casey Allen. Let's jump in. All right, you guys, if you're a fan of breakaway roping or you know anything about the sport of rodeo, chances are you already know today's guest. I'm talking about the one and only 20-time world champion, Jackie Crawford. Jackie is one of the most respected and beloved names in the sport because not only is she a champion inside of the arena, her sportsmanship, her attitude, her ability to speak up and say exactly what she's thinking, stand up for women, do it with grace, do it with kindness. Everything that makes Jackie, Jackie is what people know and love about her. So today, I didn't want to just talk about the Jackie Crawford that you know that won the 2020 World Championship six months pregnant, not the Jackie Crawford that just won $600,000 at the American, not the Jackie Crawford that won 100000 at the American last year. Let's talk about Jackie Crawford before she was Jackie Crawford, talking about little Jackie Hobbs, where she grew up, where she came from, what her life was like. In her early years, when did she first pick up a rope? How exactly did she get to be the Jackie that we know today? That is what my goal was going into this episode and what I wanted to share with you guys. And I absolutely love this interview. Our conversation was great. It took a little over time. So I did split this conversation into two parts that I We'll put out on two separate episodes for you guys. Today's episode is going to cover Jackie's backstory from the time she was a kid. Then we're going to transition into talking about kind of her more recent successes. And we're going to give you the story of Kevin, the bay horse with the funny stop that we all know and love that Jackie won the American on this year and last year. And you may remember that she won the first Ruby Buckle breakaway on him a few years ago. That's kind of when Kevin came on the scene. Um, But I think you guys are going to love his story. It's a ton of fun. And then we get into Jackie's win at the American, what her path was to get there. And she actually talks through in a way that gave me absolute chills, what the feeling was like when she realized she was in contention for the million. So without further ado, we're going to get into today's episode, which is brought to you by Equinity. I'm going to tell you more about Equinity and their amazing products at the commercial break. But if you're just eager to check it out, go to teamequinity.com. Without further ado, let's jump right in and get you guys introduced to Jackie Crawford. So, Miss Jackie, I wanted to start today... Everybody knows you as the world champion, you know, the juggernaut in breakaway roping. But I want to go back to kind of how you got started in the roping industry and how you grew up. Okay. So way back. Yeah. Way back. (laughs) (laughs) All the way. Um, So originally, I was born in Illinois. So not from the South, not from big rodeo community, but... um, I was born in Illinois, and as a young kid, I was a little racetrack junkie. My mom worked at the racetrack, and I did a lot of speed events. I ran barrels, um, ran poles, flags was a huge thing up there. And so I did that till I was about 
oh, I would say 10 or 11, 11, I think we moved to Oklahoma. My mom and I moved to Oklahoma. And so the only thing I really did with cows up there, my family, my dad's side of my family roped a lot. And my mom did rope before I was born and stuff. But um, my parents divorced when I was really young. And so I never really got to be around the roping very much at all. Mm -hmm. And um, so when I moved to Oklahoma, there was all these kids that, were at these junior rodeos and there was all this opportunity for kids roping and as soon as I saw it I was like oh my gosh I want to do that you know there was girls roping which was like awesome for me and being a tomboy I just kind of fell in love with that side of it I still ran barrels I still did all the speed events as well but I wanted to get into the roping I didn't have a rope horse so my mom's like well if you want to rope you're gonna have to turn your little barrel horse which she was ratty whatever but she's really gritty um into a rope horse and I remember going laps around an arena forever and ever and ever trying to swing a rope on this mare and she just going berserk and all this. But I finally got her conquered for a little bit to where I could enter. And I entered this junior. It had no business entering. Like I was that kid. Like I had no business entering the roping, but I did. And somehow or another, I caught and I did good. I don't know if I wanted or one second or whatever I did, but I placed. And I just thought oh, I got this deal. You know, this is nothing. I got this. And my mom's like, well, and that was kind of like towards the last of the mm-hmm. season for the junior rodeos or whatever. And she said, well, if you will practice and work hard at it over the summer, we'll enter starting at the first one coming back. So I, being a typical kid, had the summer off and she would work all the time. And I'd say, you know, I practice and I'd ride my horses and do all this, but it come time to enter and I'm thinking I'm going to enter the roping. And she's like, no, you didn't freaking work hard enough at this. You're not entering. Like you did not put in the effort. And I'm thinking I roped the dummy some, you know, I did. (laughs) I did stuff. No, absolutely not. You're going to have to figure out what working at something is. So thank God for my mom for actually putting her foot down and and making that a, a lesson right then and there. And so I didn't get to enter the roping. And so I actually didn't get to start competing in the roping my mom finally let me go to high school rodeos when I was a sophomore in high school when she thought I was I was ready and so in this time it was a little hard because it's not like I had an arena in my backyard that I got to practice at we we never I never owned an arena until I was 30 years old till me and Charlie were married and we bought this place that's the first time I ever owned an arena for myself or where I where I I worked for people where I had an arena between them but when I was growing up I didn't I never had an arena until I went to college and so it was a little bit harder, you know, to put in the time on actual live calves and stuff. So I didn't get to compete until I was a sophomore in high school and sophomore in high school. I mean, I was that person, you know, I I put my hat on the back of my head and nod and lose my hat. and It wasn't anything, <laughs> anything special, but I got to go. I won like sixth in the state or something like that. Mm-hmm. Rock along got a little better, got a little more time, got a lot of people that were willing to help me and let me come rope and gain a little more knowledge. Not saying it was great, but I was learning how to win. Junior year of high school, I win state in Oklahoma. And then senior year, uh, rock along my, my good horse that I had turned into a breakaway horse, which she was awesome, got hurt. She actually had a reaction to giving her a shot of uh, penicillin. And it it almost killed her. She had a pinched nerve in her back and I never did get to ride her again. And so I was kind of in the process. I had to use a bunch of different horses. I ended up winning second in, in state. So 
um, fast forward, I had a bunch of offers to go to, I could have stayed around home Mm -hmm. and, uh, go to college and do all that. But there's something in my personality that always drew me to, and I know that this was established a lot by my mom being, you know, like in high school, I wanted to do all the sports and I did all the sports in, in junior high and high school, played softball, played basketball, track, the whole thing. And it was always that deal that like, all right, if it was basketball, if basketball started at seven o'clock in the morning, we were in there at six thirty shooting extra baskets, you know, to everything needed to be extra. You needed to put in that extra effort. You needed to, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it all the way type mentality. And so through high school, I would, um, it's funny because when I was 14 growing up, this is a roundabout story, but my mom and I didn't have a lot. If that makes sense. We, mm-hmm. we were very fortunate that a lot of people helped us and um, gave us places to live and, you know, a roof over our head. And we did what we could with the horses. And my mom worked like three jobs and all nights. And I mean, she really worked her butt off and we just, we just got by, you know, it was nothing fancy and went through some really hard times and, but we made it and we worked hard. And when I was 14, a guy would pick me up early, early in the morning, like 4.30 in the morning. And he would take me to the track and I would clean stalls at the track in the mornings. Mm-hmm. And then once I turned 16, I got my ponies license. So we would have these project horses and I would take these horses out and I would go pony in the morning at like five o'clock. Um, I'd be at the track, you know, five o'clock or so, four forty-five, five o'clock. So I can't you were remember. A real early. Track it rat. was way early, huh? <laughs> you were a real track brat. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, and I would pony horses in the morning, and so, and I got to pony during a couple of the races where there was like the trainers. It was like if she's going to get up and be here and pony them in the morning, she's going to get them in the races. But most of the time, the races were kind of a, it's something that's kind of taken up by the, the women that have been there for a while or, or mm-hmm. the people that have been there for a while but I would do that and then I'd leave there with my horses in the trailer and I'd haul butt to basketball workout you know and I'd go basketball workout even in the summer we would have you know certain things that needed to be done and so I'd I'd haul butt over there and and do that then I'd go put my horses and I'd do basketball workout with my horses in the trailer a lot of times and then I'd go put my horses up and then I would go and I worked for a guy that um we would go lay flooring and carpet and stuff in in houses he he it was a carpet company over there buddy okay so worked really hard as a kid probably not as much as I should I you know not realizing how hard my mom worked at that time I probably should have worked harder but I did have several jobs and tried to make it work and so but there was always something I think because of that mentality that drew me to that Iron sharpens iron feeling, and everywhere I went, Texas just had this aura, you know, about their ropers, about, mm-hmm. I don't know, they just had this like thing. That, like, I, yes, it just it just was something about these girls that were coming out of Texas that were so competitive, and I just loved it. And so, I honestly, I had one of my good friends tell me, why don't you just go to school right here and on a full ride, and you can make the college finals every year here and whatever and it's like that right there just it literally triggered something in me like oh my gosh you just made this no now I have to go (laughs) you know what I mean now I have to go do this because I don't want the easy way and not that that's an easy way I'm not saying Oklahoma is easier 
I'm just saying there was something that drew me that I was like, I want to go where the toughest people I can possibly think of are. And to me, that was going to the Southwest region at that time. And so I took less of a scholarship to go to Vernon, Texas. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be good and do this, because by this time I had tore my knee up playing basketball. I had a couple of offers at small schools to play basketball, but I knew it wasn't in the cards for me. And so I knew rodeo was how I was going to have opportunity. And the more I was in it, the more I fell in love with it. So I went and I looked at Vernon. I ended up taking that, that scholarship to Vernon, which was way less than the offers, you know, close to home. And it was just kind of a leap of faith. And here I go. And of course, my first year I get killed. Like I don't do any good. I mean, no good in the roping. I placed a little bit here and there in the goat tying, you know, just to kind of make my way, but I didn't do any good in the roping. And so hard knocks, learning different things, learning different setups. And like I said, being around some very competitive girls, I met my very best friend, Tessie McMullen at the time. Now it's Tessie Doyle, but Tessie McMullen, she was unbelievably competitive. She had won so many AJR world titles. There was just a lot of tough girls right there. And being able to find that group in college, I think is so important that are like-minded girls that want to work hard. And we worked, like we had fun, but we worked very hard at our craft. And um, that was really cool. And so by our second year as a sophomore, I won the Southwest region in the roping, went on to win the college finals, won the nation in the ro- in, in the breakaway roping, and we won a women's team title at the college finals as well. And so it kind of all came together and paid off. And it was just such a gratifying feeling like, hey, I made the right choice against everybody saying do it. And so it was it was pretty cool to feel that. And so from there... Um, I got an offer to go to Tarleton, which at the time, if you rodeoed, that's where you wanted to go. And still yet, you know, Stephenville, America Mm -hmm. is cowboy capital of the world. And so that's, of course, where I wanted to go. And so we went down here and I uh, we won another women's team title with Tessie on my team as well. It's kind of fun because our Vernon College team is getting inducted into the Cowboy Texas Cowboy Hall of Fame this year because we're one of the only junior colleges ever think the only junior college ever to win the college finals men's and women's team in the same year wow. and so that was pretty cool and then a lady wrote a book and her, and tessie and i were one of the only two uh, according to her research that won a women's team title at a junior college and then moved together to a to a university and won another women's team title together and so on on the same team and so that was that was pretty cool experience for me through college and i was lucky that i that I fell into the group of people that I did that, like I said, I think just catapulted and, and, and aligned with the goals and the work ethic that, that I wanted to have. And so, um, after college though, I was kind of lost. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, what was your degree in? I got my degree in business Mm -hmm. and, but it was just at a time where I had met Larry D and she was training horses and she had offered me to, to come to the ranch and, and, you know, be able to help train horses and do clinics and learn more. But it was scary because I'd never, at that time, girls didn't make a living roping. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was in a real battle internally. What do I do? Like, what do I do at this point in my life? Do I stay right here and start a career and try to find something that is going to, you know, like you said, build a career that's realistic Mm -hmm. or, do I continue chasing this dream of mine that I love dearly, but I haven't seen anyone 
be able to do that without having a career of some sort we're backing of some sort and I didn't have anything. I like, I, I have zero safety net whatsoever. There's no family money. There's no nothing. I have relied on a lot of friends and people willing to help along the way. And so it was a little bit of a scary time for me. And I, I talked to a friend of mine at the time that was very, very successful. Um, and he said, I asked him, I said, John, if, if you were me in this position right now, what would you do? Do you stay roping? Do you stay pursuing this? At this point, I kind of started to have a, a good name in the roping and maybe could ride some outside horses and do some lessons and things like this. And he's like, Jackie, you need to keep roping. He's like, you got a gift, you got a passion, you got the work at the court. And he said, opportunities are going to present itself through that. So I said, okay. So I went to work for Larry D at her ranch and learned so much about you know, horsemanship and lessons and schools and, and just got to ride some really amazing horses. And not that I didn't have some great horses, but these were horses that it was a different, they were broker, you know, they'd been through a different, you know, level. different level of things and just got to, got to soak up some stuff. And, and at the same time, she was riding a lot of horses for Trevor. So therefore, but she had stopped tying down. So I got to ride horses you know, for Trevor or, or some of those horses and tie down on some of those horses and ended up getting to ride a lot of calf horses for some of the best guys in the business, you know. And so it, it was really a fun time and I learned so much and I'm so grateful for her and her family for, for that opportunity. And so there came a point where I felt that need to, and I don't know if it's a personality type, whatever, but I wanted to do it on my own. I wanted to have my own name and my own things and build my own business. Mm -hmm. And so I came back to Stephenville and started basically from the ground up again, <laughs> started with nothing. And thank goodness for an amazing friend of mine, Jamie Roach, that golly, she kind of scooped me up, helped me, gave me a leg up, let me run a business out of her place and overrun her place with horses and all the things. And so kind of hard knocks right there doing a lot of outside horses I didn't want to do and things like that. And al along this time is more opportunities arising and coming from the breakaway world, you know, and women's roping. And it's just growing this whole time and the momentum's coming. And I'm, but at this time I'm still riding, you know, I'm riding team roping horses for some of the, the best in the rodeo world. I'm riding calf horses for some of the best in the world. I got to watch some of the calf horses I had down here go on and go go on to the NFR and, and get to watch that stuff. And so that was a really fun transition period for me. But I also don't enjoy riding outside horses because the good ones are fun. The bad ones are not. You know, anybody that's rode outside horses can tell you that. And so um, I also started to kind of tried to build a clinic base of doing clinics and things like that. But again, the opportunities for competition for women started growing. And through that, I was just trying to do the best I could to try to promote it and, and, you know, talk to people about ropings and talk to these people about this stuff. And amateur rodeos were great. They've had us in there forever. And so then I met Charlie and we bought our um, property out here, got married in 2003. 13. We got married in 2013 and we started work on our place January 2014 and started doing clinics out of here and have just continued to try to train horses and do all that. And in this meantime, just 
was still competing for the in the WPRA stuff, the, you know, and and trying to win world titles and all that. And then you know, you know the rest of the story. Along comes pro rodeos, and they start adding. And for some reason, I've been able to be very very fortunate. You know, I got to be at the front of the WCRA. Thank you to those guys for starting that. That's been such an amazing opportunity for us, and it really got to showcase the breakaway and and what it could be. Was that the Windy City Roundup? Was that the yeah. first one? Yeah. Yeah, so they they announced they were going to add breakaway. Several conversations with with um, with Bobby Moat and and that crew and and just trying to get the breakaway in. And they decided they were going to make it a, a full event. And they announced it, and it was like this whirlwind of of holy cow of emotions and excitement and all this stuff because we were added into Chicago at the Windy City Roundup, mm-hmm. and we got to compete just like everybody else for fifty grand. And so we went up there and it was kind of a, for us that were a part of it, it was kind of like, we felt like we were being part of a footprint in history. You know, I mean, this was a huge thing for women. It was a huge thing. And it it turned out, it was so crazy to me. It was actually, Illinois was back at my home state where I started off. And there was a lot of people there and I had family in Chicago. So just like going back, however many years later and it's like oh my gosh we have this history making thing right here in my home state and i was just so lucky and fortunate that i won i was able to win the very first fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. um i remember the picture from that of you holding the check up and it was just <laughs> crazy <Unreal>, right <laughs> just so crazy so crazy and so then right after that came uh, the american had announced that they were adding breakaway and I know, you know, some of our good friends, Amy Wilson, I know she was working that from the inside as well as mm-hmm. several others of trying to get them talked into having breakaway. And they announced they're going to have breakaway. At first they announced and we were going to, we were just going to, we were going to compete for 50,000 where everybody else was competing for a hundred. It's like, okay, fine. Give us a chance. You know what I mean? And the girls came out of the woodworks. We had mm-hmm. 500, I think, I believe 500 girls come to Northside as, um, qualifiers trying to get into AT&T Stadium and it was a pretty cool deal we made it all the way through I made it into AT&T Stadium we walk into the meeting and at the meeting they announced they're like oh yeah and breakaway ropers you're now going to compete for a hundred thousand because obvious reasons I mean we had brought in a ton of money <laughs> because of all the girls that came out so I think they knew like hey here's the time to step up and, and do this and they did and they stepped it up and um we got to compete for a hundred thousand then you know, here comes Maddie Youth. You're your first hundred thousand dollar having your first thousand dollar winner of the American. I mean, it was just it was so cool, and so uh, that was pretty. That was a pretty amazing. That was that year for breakaway roping to me. That was that was when it was just like finally you just cracked the door open, and I feel like girls just kicked it down. I mean, here they came. You know, and, and I just don't feel. I feel like it's just been a snowball since then and 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 we've ran with it and so and i think that that was such a good year for people to see um how well it was taken it was it went over extremely well at chicago it went over unbelievable at the american you know and so it was really neat for people like not only that but committees and people that make the decisions on if it should be in i think that was a great year for them to see all that Today's episode is brought to you by Equinity. 
Equinity Horse XL is a 100% pure amino acid supplement that can help your horse perform better from the cellular level. There is no fillers added, no sugars, no starches, no soy, nothing except 100% pure amino acids. What this does for your horse is it can help them from the cellular level perform better. We're talking quicker muscle recovery and stronger collagen for a healthier coat and bones. It can help increase focus, help regulate the gut, so many different things. And you can actually use it in combination with Equinity Ultimate OEC. That's a liquid supplement that has a flaxseed-based omega-3 oil, natural vitamin E, colloidal silver, and other ingredients that are there specifically to help your horse from the cellular level. It helps support cardiovascular health, joint health, healthier skin and coat, gastric health, and can help increase immune function. We are so grateful for Equinity for bringing us this episode today. And if you want more information about their products, you've got to check out teamequinity.com. That's teamequinity.com to check out Equinity Horse XL and Equinity Ultimate OEC. So since we're talking about the American, um, Mm -hmm. you definitely, you got that 100,000 last year and then shattered every record in the history book for female ropers this year with that $600,000 check. Um, So I just kind of want to talk about how you got to the American, just kind of an overview of what that process looked like, and then talk me through the contender finals and the actual day of the American. So first of all, the American, you know, for me, the American holds this like special little fire for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I love it so much. I've been so fortunate to make it into AT&T and now globe life. Every time I've gotten to compete, Mm -hmm. um, that down to the final girls, I didn't make the final four one year, one year, but I made it into this, into the stadiums out of all the qualifiers, um, except the year that I was having journey. Cause obviously I couldn't compete then, but so it holds a special place to me. And so when they announced this year that now's the year that they're taking our world, world standings contestants, and mm-hmm. then the contenders are, eligible for the million and I had such a crummy year last year and so now I'm a contender and now I get to go for a million at the American it was just like oh my gosh here's the silver lining and I just got it in my mind like okay I am I'm going to find every single avenue into this thing because I want to be competing for that a million I mean for the day they said it so I competed and I tried to get my spots in every region there was three regions you could get two spots in each region to compete at a regional finals. Mm-hmm. I got all my spots to compete in every every region. I went to Tulsa. Um, I ended up getting my spot all the way into the con- to the contender finals. Mm-hmm. That was the top is, four, which is as far as I could get. I had mm-hmm. to be in the top four when it was all said and done at Tulsa. I ended up getting that spot there. After that was. Um, where were we? Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky. I went ahead, even though I had my spot, they also gave away wild card spots Mm -hmm. and wild card spots was every person at all the regional finals who placed six through 40th in the two head average got a wild card spot. And then they also gave away three wild card spots from the buyback that was also held at at the regional finals. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, if I go ahead, I've already spent the money to try to get, 
qualified to talk to Lexington, Kentucky, even though I have my spot from Tulsa. I'm like, I'm going to go try to compete because, number one, the regional finals pay really well. Yeah, it was like 10000 so at least. Yeah, like 10000 So I'm, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try to compete for that 10000 But I'm also going to try to rack up as many wild card spots as I can because at Globe Life, the very first day, they kicked it off with the wild card round. So the wild card round, you could have several wild card spots. You didn't. I couldn't get another spot into the contender finals because I was already in, but I could go make runs, and that also paid very well. Number one at the at Globe Life at the mm-hmm. wild card round, but I wanted to go in there and set my horse up and see the and feel the the setup and feel the calves and all that stuff. So I wanted to give myself when I tell you I was looking at every opportunity and every way you could come in here and have a good advantage. I know my thing is everybody's like, well, it's such a crapshoot. And it is. I mean, you're competing against a ton. It is. Now, this was However, a calculated Jackie airstrike. <laughs> no, very, very calculated because they're laying it out there that, that what you can do. And so I'm going to, if if it's fair for everybody, I'm going to try to do it because everybody's got the chance to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So I got in there. I ran three wild card spots. I rode, you know, got my feel I thought Kevin felt great I got off of him and I felt ready for Thursday after the wild card round and so I ended up not going to there was another regional finals that I ended up not going to because of other conflicts the maturity mm-hmm. and all that stuff but um I would have gone had I not gotten my spot at Tulsa so yes very calculated way in there and came to Thursday night which was the contender finals so the contender finals consisted of the top four from each regional's plus one person that came out of the wild card round. So there was 13 people that competed on Thursday night, and these are all contenders. And this is the final round before you meet the world standings people on Saturday. Yep. Came into there. I ended up third. Um, or I mean, I, I drew up third that night. And so, you know, I think that's one of those things that people, you can look at glass half, half empty, glass half full type thing well at first it's like well being drawn up at the first that's gonna stink because you don't know what you got to be but also I'm like well yeah but then again I don't know what I have to be so I have to go make the very best run that I possibly can which was great because I had a stronger calf I had to reach at him like made a great run on a strong calf ended up winning the contender finals so that set me up to go very last in the 10-man round on Mm -hmm. Saturday so it actually worked out really great and perfect just like I would want it to um, so came back to Saturday and, um, got to go last. I saw the setup. I knew what I had to be. There were several good runs. I didn't want to back off of that round at all and just try to get in. Went ahead, tried to make a good run and ended up second in the top 10. So I got to rope second to last in the top four coming back to the final deal for the American. Mm-hmm. And there were three contenders and one world standings person. The world standings person got to go very last. The three contenders were first. So it was kind of a setup perfectly for me because <laughs> I got to go second to last. I got to watch what the other three contenders did. And, um, yeah, it, it just – you could not have placed a better playing field for me mm-hmm. to want to go fast. And, and it could not have played out any better than it did right there. The only thing that would have happened better is if I wanted Kelsey to blast. I wanted Kelsey to blast right in front of me. <laughs> you know, and it had been, been even tighter. But um, 
I, uh, other than that, it just, it was unbelievable. Honestly, that feeling and that moment in time, it was just like, for whatever reason, I have this deep, um, desire to be the first at a lot of things. Does that make sense? Like I have this deep burning desire that makes me want to capture the first of everything, you know, like I'll, I'll never forget watching say Cheyenne happen for the first time and Jordan Joe winning it. And I literally got teared up. Uh, Raymond got teared up. I got teared up. I'm so happy for her, but I'm also at the same time, I'm so jealous because I want to be the first, <laughs> right? You know, I want to be the first one to win Cheyenne. But at the same time, I mean, obviously it's not like a jealous, like, Oh, I didn't want her to win. I, I loved it. It's, it's so emotional. Watch somebody be able to make history. And so, um, it was just neat to be able to be another first, you know, like a first girl that wins a million. Like I don't, it's. I think we saw that in 2020 with your determination at the NFR to be that first like world champion on the pro rodeo trail. That was, that, that proved it. (laughs) Yeah. It's fun. You know what I mean? Like those are things that I want to look back on and I want, you know, my kids to see like the first to win 50,000 one of the first to make it into AT&T the American I didn't win it you know what I mean but mm-hmm. you know the first to win the very first round of the very first national finals breakaway roping you know the first world title I just for some reason I cherish those moments like I love those moments and so mm-hmm. it was unbelievably special and just so unbelievable like truly unbelievable at the American to have accomplished that. I mean, to come number one, like the odds of coming back and winning it back to back are just, you know, I don't even know the numbers of those, but it's not, not very good odds. <laughs> and so just to, just to have it all happen and work out. I mean, I have never, when that moment happened, I have never been so close to shock. Like I want to say I'm enough of a competitor that when those moments arise, like there, I do feel something that comes alive and just like calms it and straight competitor. And it's not that you can't believe you want it. Do I feel like I've put in the work to win those things? Yes, absolutely. 110%. I have no doubt in my mind. I've put in the work to do those things. The odds of it happening when it's done, when I kind of snap out of that competitive, like glaze over, you know, you're so in shock of like, holy smokes, that just happened. That just happened. I seriously have never actually almost been in shock. And I don't even know what shock feels like. But I can tell you, complete loss of any moisture in my mouth. I had dry mouth so bad, you cannot even say. My entire body started shaking. And I couldn't control it. My hands shook. My rib cage shook. My stomach was shaking. I could not get my body to stop shaking. And I could not hardly draw an ounce of moisture out of that air. And I was like, I think I'm fixing to go into shock. Like, I think something's fixing to happen. I might pass out right now. And so it truly was like a flush of emotions that I'd never felt before. Cause that was such a huge monumental moment, but it's, it's just still unbelievable to this, to right now that, Oh my gosh, a breakaway roper. That's all I keep thinking. It's not even that. Yes. I'm so unbelievably grateful that I, was able to win that, but that a breakaway roper just won a piece of a million dollars. When I started this, I would have never in a million years imagined that would have been a thing. You know, just crazy. Mm-hmm. 
Right. And I want to talk about too because the so you won the American back to back on Kevin. And we all love Kevin, um, uh-huh. and he's special. So <laughs> I, I want to kind of know his backstory and how he ended up being the horse that did this. Oh my gosh, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin has the name Kevin for a reason. Have you seen those things where it's like, Kevin? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Kevin came from the Copper Springs Ranch. I used to go up there and do a rodeo Bible camp that they would have every year in Montana. While I was up there teaching, I got to be friends with um, a lot of the staff. Mm-hmm. And a gal took me around and she would show me all the sale colts that were fixing to be sold in their sale not too long after that that camp. And so we walked around, we looked at a bunch of them. Well, at this time, they had crossed Prime Talent, who was a Corona cartel stud that did a lot of barrel horses. And he was in a lot of like the ruby buckle and or, uh, pink buckle and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And they had crossed him on a few cow horse mares. As we walked around, she showed me all these colts and I really liked them. I loved the look. And of course, when colts are getting sale fitted, they all look amazing, right? So they mm-hmm. all looked really cute. But she's like, we love this horse right here. She said, he is the only colt. We walked into his stall while he was laying down and clipped him and clipped his ears and clipped him while he was laying down and he never got up. Like, that's <laughs> Kevin's personality. He is just a, just silly. And he was this cute bay. So I said, I want to buy one of these colts. At this time, I was just wanting to get all these young horses and stuff. And at the time, still of this happening i actually was thinking of him for head horses i wanted team roping horse i wanted head horses charlie was still roping mm-hmm. i wanted to be making horse i was staying at home i was amateur rodeo everything i did was kind of texas oklahoma all that so i was looking in for head horse prospects basically so i thought the cow run cross is great for a head horse prospect surely he'll get big enough you know being bred how he is so we look at this at the time we are going to charlie had actually sat out a year of a summer of going to the rodeos we were going to amateur rodeos and he was heading for peyton bray so ken bray and i were in the truck and peyton and charlie we were headed to an amateur rodeo and the sale is going on we're on the phones i tell ken all about all the colts i'm like they're really neat yada 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 he buys one then over the phone, mind you, we're driving in the truck over the phone. He's never even seen them. We're just having fun. It's a rush, whatever. And I really wanted this Colt. I kept telling him, I was like, look, you've got to let me buy this one. So he did. He let me buy Kevin out of the sale over the phone while we're headed to the rodeo. So now we got to figure out how to get him from Montana. And get Kevin. I send him to Rhett Baker to get rode. He does a good job riding him. Um, you know, because they're just very, very green broke in the sale. Mm-hmm. And rock along, Kevin, Kevin was not easy to train. He was kind of a real pain in the butt for a while. Kevin had some hard days in his life um, as a young horse. And to the point that I was like, okay, Kevin, you were going to have to do something. We're going to have to crack an egg in you and you're going to have to give up. So thank you, baby. Journey's cleaning. Um, just handed me a Swiffer pad. Yeah. So Kevin, um, I tried to sell Kevin at one point when he was young, not because he wasn't doing it. He, he was doing good at this point. We had already gone through our battles and everything. And, uh, and we'd gone through the point where he just like completely embarrassed me because of his behavior. And so, <laughs> but he's doing good. But I'm like, you know, I just, I would kind of make him sell him if I thought whatever. But at the time also, I wasn't looking at putting together a breakaway string because it wasn't to that point yet. I still had T-Boy. I had Sailor. I, I wasn't thinking of needing a breakaway string. So 
I tried to sell Kevin. I put him online for $10,000. I try to sell him and I try to sell him and I try to sell him. I can't get, not one person comes and looks at Kevin. Not one person comes and lays eyes on Kevin. Nobody wants Kevin. Nobody wanted Kevin. And you know what? But at the time, and I advertised it as so, Kevin cribbed. Kevin did a lot of fun things that were really, really (laughs) not desirable. But I put it in the ad, look, he cribs, but he's really fun to rope on, blah, blah. Not one person comes and looks at Kevin. So finally, I start to realize I keep riding Kevin. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm stuck with you. And I got to the point where I thought, okay, this cribbing thing, I, I think I had heard of the cribbing surgery, which I am not going to push the cribbing surgery because it's one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. However, I was very scared for Kevin's health. I was, he would not keep weight on. I was scared he was going to colic. He cribbed really bad. I couldn't get him to quit with the collars. I couldn't get him to quit with anything. He was a very bad cribber. I finally said, (laughs) yeah, he was a drug addict. He was a, he was a fence addict or a pipe addict or a halter addict. He didn't care. If he could get his mouth on it, he cribbed on it. So I said, okay, Kevin, I got to do the surgery. If I'm going to have to keep you, I don't want you to die. And I'm going to have to do the surgery. You're just going to have to go through it. So I do the surgery on Kevin. Lo and behold, thank goodness, he quits cribbing. And it doesn't always work. The surgery doesn't always work. It worked on him. He quit cribbing. He finally put on weight. He doesn't look like a greyhound anymore. <laughs> he, he looks great. And so as this proceeds, I'm out here roping one day and my friend Shady Langston, she's like, you're an idiot if you sell that horse. And I was just roping on him in the lane, actually, at this point. She's like, you're an idiot if you sell that horse. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, he can haul butt and he hits a stop every time. Because surprisingly, when we're at home, Kevin is a big stopper. Kevin drags his butt. Really? He stops great. I have taught Kevin from hauling him at a young age and T-Boy letting me get away with this that I tend to, I do not so great things when the money's up. And I've taught Kevin not to stop as good away from home. And so that's totally my fault that he does that dumb head throwing thing. Looks like he's going to knock you out, all that. But anyways, lo and behold, I just kind of got in this state, this spot where I'm like, holy cow, I actually need Kevin. I need him behind T-Boy. He's the one that has the best feel. And for whatever reason, I think horses just have, certain horses have something about them. I have sold some really great horses that weren't winners for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, T-Boy was a winner for me. Kevin is obviously a winner for me. You know, it doesn't mean that he's the best horse. As a matter of fact, we hauled Kevin to Baker, Montana one time for me and Kelsey Chase, my dear friend, to ride at Baker, Montana, one of the biggest rodeos when they very first added breakaway. We hauled him up there. We flew up there. We tried to make all this work to get to every pro rodeo when they first had it. And she goes up there. She's going to get on Kevin. He works pretty good. Yada, yada, yada. She takes off to the calf. He crow hops all the way to the calf. Tries to she throws her rope. Pulls on him because he's crow hopping. He rears, almost knocks her out. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what just happened? To this day, Kelsey will not step foot on Kevin. It does not matter if he is the last horse there for her to mount out on. She will not get on Kevin. And Kelsey's kind of tough. She's not like. <laughs> I know. It's so funny though. Even 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 this year, or just, just the other day, we're talking about California or Redmond and it's like, well, so and so's gonna be up there, Kevin's gonna be up or whatever. She's like, No offense, Shy. Jackie wins on Kevin. 
I'm not getting on him. <laughs> but, like, other people have gotten on him, and he's done fine. It's just funny how certain horses are winners for certain people, but other people think they're the biggest piece of junk, you know? So, Kevin is obviously one of my winners, and now I guess I'm keeping him. <laughs> Since nobody would buy him for $10,000, i am keeping Kevin. And, and, I mean, what are his lifetime earnings close oh, to? He's got to be getting close to a million. Yeah, you would think, right? You yeah. would think. Um, I don't know. I, I I wish we had a system of keeping up with it really well. I would love, I would love to know what, what T-Boy's lifetime earnings were. Mm-hmm. Because I think that would be one of the most impressive things for the day and time and what type of money yeah. we roped for. That horse won a lot of money for a lot of people. I mean, different times, uh, you know, Larry D borrowed him. I think she won like 15000 in a week or two on him. Kelsey borrowed him. She won eleven or 12000 You know, he was just a winner. People would step on him and win. I know one time we all flew in. We all flew into a rodeo, Mejia from maybe Reno or something, and five of us rode him in one turf. And he gave every single one of us a chance to win. In one for you know, so that horse, it'd be cool to see what his earnings were and then go back and see what Kevin's were because you got to think T Boy got rode for over a decade. T Boy earned you know? it the hard way, yeah, he earned it the hard way. And so, I would love to be able to see those numbers, but I don't think we ever will have a way to see all those numbers. T Boy walked so Kevin could run, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, yep. All right, you guys, stay tuned for part two of our conversation with Jackie, where she dives into like the real talk behind the wins and losses. She talks about her highest highs, her lowest lows, who you can trust having in your corner. She shares some really raw life advice about confidence, mental game, and just knowing your identity and owning it in the sport. I think you guys are really going to love part two maybe even more than this episode. Dare I say it? I said it. Anyway, if you're listening at the time of release, make sure to be on the lookout at www.breakawayropingjournal.com and on our social accounts on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at Breakaway Roping Journal to keep up with the USTRC National Breakaway Roping Championships brought to you by Total Feeds at Fort Worth, April 25th to 28th. Also, April 24th, be on the lookout for updates from the Ruby Buckle Breakaway Roping. We will be on site there, as well as in Fort Worth. You guys, we're everywhere. Also, we're going to be at Rodeo Corpus Christi. That's the WCRA's next Triple Crown of Rodeo event. After that, we'll be at the Women's Rodeo World Championship. And like I said, our stories are going to be popping. Our TikToks are going to be popping. We're going to be bringing you guys all the content that you love, along with podcast episodes, articles, and more online. Also, you can catch the USTRC National Breakaway Roping Championships on breakawayroping.com. You can watch that for free. And if you want to get started on instructional videos on breakawayroping.com, you got to use code BREAKDOWN15 to get 15% off from top coaches like Martha and Sarah Angeloni. Coming soon, Danielle Lohman. We've got Larry D. Guy, Hope Thompson, Shelby Bojley, Kelsey Domer. We've got a little bit of everybody on there. So I want to give another thank you to Equinity because that is who brought you this episode today. So make sure to check out teamequinity.com and find out how your horse can get the Equinity Edge. Cannot wait to show you guys what we have rolling out in the next few weeks. Until then, good luck. Have fun. Thanks. Thanks.